joined Jumio as part of a venture round in 2015. The company was founded in two years prior in 2015. 13. The company has since raised $60 million, helping drive identity verifications across the sharing economy with the biggest public co uh, customer you can articulate being Airbnb. They're serving between 350 and 400, paying customers across 40 different countries. Their team of 1,500 is split between San Francisco and India. They're growing 46% year over year currently. Last year in 2016, they did 26 million identity verifications in a good year in 2017. Steven says he expects that might pass 30 million. This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 units sold mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. This is episode 732. Coming up tomorrow morning, we talk with Zvi. His company has raised 50, five zero million dollars, and he's leading the cargo, cargo container software space. But first, here's today's episode. Hello, everybody. My guest today is Stephen Stute. He is the founder of a company called Jumio.com. Now, he brings more than 25 years of experience fueling corporate growth and leading technology businesses. Before Jumio, he served as the CEO of a company called True Position, a leader in location-based services technology. Prior to that, he was president and CEO of Broadband Innovations, delivering digital interactivity services to cable TV providers. During his tenure, he raised over $30 million in equity from venture capital firms and strategic investors and ultimately sold the company to Motorola in December of 2005. Stephen, are you ready to take us to the top? I am ready to go. Very good. So tell us what Jumio does and what's the business model? How do you make money? All right, we're a software as a service. Uh, particularly, we do trusted identity as a service. So we do two, th we three, three things in that: ID verification, identity verification, and document verification. It boils down to with an ID verification, you take an image of your ID, passport, driver's license. Use your laptop. Use your phone. Upload it. We don't care. We will then validate that it is not fraudulent. Okay. And then if you do identity verification we do a biometric facial comparison of your selfie with your device and the image of your face on the ID to say that oh you have a perfectly valid ID are you the same human or did you steal it yep. and then finally we do a document verification which for a lot of know your customer regulations is things like a utility bill or a bank statement do you have something that proves you live there interesting so are who's your customer is it the government that where people are sending their IDs to develop validate something or, or is it the consumer? We are, our customers are merchants who do, they need to figure out who you are, whether for their own business model, like Airbnb is a big customer. Okay. They don't have to do it, but they do actually need to have a trusted environment of landlords and tenants. Um, and then we also have airlines, we have online gaming companies, Bitcoin companies, brick and mortar banks. A lot of them have a know your customer requirement, an uh, anti-money laundering requirement that they must fulfill, which are we do for them. Are a lot of these companies you're seeing spring up right now where they're scaling internationally with a lot of independent contractors? I'm thinking Uber, Lyft, on-demand food delivery programs, things like that. Uh, a lot of the 
friction with these companies moving into new locations is exactly this. Is the driver actually safe? Is it, are they who they say they are? Do you have a lot of those kinds of customers or no? We have a lot of customers of that nature. I won't say whether those are specifically customers of yep. ours, yep. but I would, the way I would describe it is the world is moving to the internet, online commerce, and the idea that you have to walk into some building and flash your ID is a little inconvenient, especially <laughs> it's if very it's like inconvenient. And, well, it's inconvenient, and some places don't even have them. Right? Yep. They don't have it online. I mean, uh, a brick and mortar existence. So well, we fit them beautifully. I have to tell you too. I won't show it on screen here for security reasons but if you look at my driver's id whenever i'm trying to go into like a place that cards people and i show it to them they look at me twice because it's like cracked halfway and it's old and worn and my reason is simple i don't want to go back to the dmv it's too it's it's it's, a, it's such a bad experience i would rather just put up with a cracked almost unusable license you know there's a lot of people like that or you know someone changes their hair or like in my case you don't have enough left um, and you know let's face it the id on your driver's license is a crappy tiny picture yeah are you the same human and we use the technology and humans and we figure it out so what is the average again i'm sure you have tons of different cohorts of customers large and small but what's the average customer paying you and is it per month is it a SaaS business it is a SaaS business. Typically, people pay one year's worth of transactions in advance. Okay. And then they just burn off their inventory. And then if they uh, need to buy more, we do another agreement or we have, we have different mechanisms. So it is pay as you go, but you pay in advance in a sense. And are most, I mean, can you give me an average? Are most of these, you know, $100,000 contracts or 10,000 contracts or million dollar annual contracts? What's an average? You know, they range wildly. There's a minimum that we won't bother with because, to be honest, you're not worth the customer support effort. Uh, so, Stephen, yeah, can you give me like an average contract size or is there a minimum you won't touch? And if so, what is that? I'd say the minimum is probably on the order of $30,000. Um, that would just be a let's get you started kind of purchase but we have many multi-million dollar customers and a whole range in between. We have anywhere from 350 to 400 customers right now. Okay. And they're in 40 countries for zero. So we're quite global. Yep. And what is the, so, so now that we understand more of the economics and what the company does, take us back to the beginning of this thing. When did you launch it? All right. So I should qualify one thing. I am not the founder. Okay. I am the professional CEO who came in later. The founder had the classic uh, experience that we've all had. I believe he was on a beach in France and arguing with a credit card company as to whether or not he was who he is. <laughs> and he thought there has got to be a better way than the annoying questions that we all know. It's called knowledge-based authentication. What's the size of your mortgage? What's the last transaction you did? What's your dog's name? All that stuff which by the way is very easy to actually break into somebody's identity just by Googling and looking at their Facebook page and answer some of those questions. So he said, there's got to be a better way. And he came up with this, which was a really great way to do it, which is make it so dead easy. Pull out your phone and take a picture. So what year was that? Uh, that that product, this company was founded with some other products, but that was about three, four years ago. Okay, so let's call it 20, call it 13. Now, when did you come in? I came in two years ago. Okay, so about two years after it launched. That is correct. And what did that look like? I mean, from an operational perspective, did, did they raise capital and you came in like through a VC round or how'd that work? 
Um, I came in, I was brought in by the investors um, at that point, which yep. are Andreessen Horowitz, uh, City Ventures, and Eduardo Saverin, the co-founder of Facebook. Yep. And, and what was the, how much total have you guys raised? You know, the company had raised to that date probably about sixty million. Okay. So quite a quite a significant sum of money, and we are doing actually very well. We're probably growing. I think last quarter was a forty-seven percent revenue increase over the same quarter the previous year. Okay. Growing very quickly. I think yesterday we broke through a 150,000 identity verifications in a single day. Oh, wow. That's cool. That's amazing. It's this is a very successful thing, and it's a, we're just beginning. There's a lot of comp competition, but there's a lot of business out there. If you think how many different ways and times you have to pull out your ID, you know, hotel room, rental car, you know, online gaming, whatever you might need to do, there's a lot of transactions out there. Yeah. Now, just so I understand the funding question real quick, so 60 million has been raised in total, and you came in with the last tranche. Effectively, okay. uh, the, the history is more complicated than that, but sure. that would be good enough. But if I'm using I'm, I, my research team did some research here, but like in August 2016, it sounds like Millennium uh, Technology Value Partners led that round of financing. Were you an entrepreneur in residence at Millennium and that's how you met the company or did you meet the founder some other way? No, I was hired by effectively Andreessen Horowitz, if you're familiar with yep. them. They have actually a recruiting firm internal, which is a very helpful thing to those of us in their portfolio. The actual largest um, investor at this point is Santana Growth Partners, yep. who are a private equity firm based in New York and Menlo Park. And then Millennium came in after that. Okay, I understand now. Good. Okay, so so a lot of success here. $60 million raised, founded in 2013. You came in in 2015. You're see about 46% year-over-year growth. And you just said you recently passed 150,000 identity verifications in one day? That's correct. That's amazing. And what do you, pro like, in, uh, give, a, give me a bigger number. And so in 2016, how many verifications did you process? 26 million. Wow, that's incredible. And what will you do in 2017? Um, my guess is closer to 30. I, I haven't got a forward forecast, but things are exploding. Uh, one of the things that's been happening recently is uh, the Bitcoin market is going crazy, and we are quite um, deeply enmeshed in their need to do know your customer AML requirements. Yep, that makes a lot of sense. And then tell me more kind of about team here. So you came in uh, again in 2015. What was the team size then and what is it now? Uh, the team size was uh, probably around 90, 95 in the West, and is now about 110, 115 in the West, and about 500 in India, and now 1,000 in India. So, so total, call it about 1,500? Correct. Yeah. And what is the going into kind of user acquisition, right? So I'm curious, the, the, the India team, is this kind of a software product that is then verified by a human that you pay very little in India to kind of make sure it all checks out? Like, why is that? What's that big team in India doing? Well, interestingly, um, what this is, is this is a hybrid blend of computer vision, facial recognition, and industry experts in a single integrated system. This is not a, did the automatic thing not figure it out, throw it to the humans? It's actually an integrated process. Okay. So a lot of the automation may be to assist an expert. Interestingly, which you didn't go over my background, I start off my life, which is incidental to why I was hired. I'm an optical engineer by training, designed laser weapons. Oh, wow. So I know a lot 
lot about optics and a computer vision system can do a lot, but it really has a lot of trouble if the image isn't perfect. And let's face it, if I said you can take a picture wherever, people take crappy pictures at Starbucks in bad lighting with a laptop that has a fixed focus camera. A computer vision cannot figure that out someday, maybe. Yeah. So we do, the, we do both. We yeah. just make sure we get it right. Yep, that's, I think that's probably that's and that's the best answer, right? That's the best kind of solution. Um, okay, good. And then talk to me about uh, growth. How are you driving growth? Like, how are you finding new customers? What are you paying to get them? You know, we're in spite of the fact that most listeners won't have known about this company, we're quite well known in the uh, fintech space and related, like the shared economy space, so that we get a lot of inbound uh, leads. We do have a substantial sales force direct, and we do have partners. How many people are in your sales force? My guess is there's probably 20, 25. All in your San Fran office? No, also in uh, London. Oh, in London. Okay, got it. So 25 kind of inside Salesforce. And are you doing anything like, like you know, last month, how much did you spend on paid media? Uh, are you using any of the funded, uh, any of the raised capital to, to do that? Uh, we, we do uh, different things at trade shows. I, I don't know what the numbers are offhand, yep. uh, but we we are at all the kind of trade shows you want to be at. We do various things in the marketplace. Um, I, you know, I'd love to have you uh, give you a better answer, but I don't have those numbers. No, to that's hand. okay. I mean, it sounds like you're running an organization that's fairly large. You, you have other people like your CMO that probably know those exact numbers, but you know, off the top of your head, a key acquisition channel for you guys is going to these kind of shared economy trade shows. Yeah, I mean, those, interestingly, those are probably the least relevant. It happens to be that we are known, for instance, in Silicon Valley. If you are, we have three or four of the top unicorns or customers of ours, which I, I can name Airbnb because everybody knows about that one. Yeah. But we're very involved with a lot of those kinds of businesses, and people talk to each other and say, how do you solve this requirement of yep. knowing who these people are, yep. whether by regulator or by my own business model? Last few questions here before we wrap up with the famous five. So you mentioned a, you mentioned a large range in your annual contract values. You know, between you said thirty thousand on the low end up to way over one million on the high end. Is that accurate? Correct. And you said that variation is based mainly off they're prepaying for a number of kind of identity verifications, and then as they use that inventory over the year, they pay that down. Is that right? Basically, yes. Okay. So how do you? I mean, do you do you do the same? pricing per identity verification across all your customers or does it differ from five cents on one to 10 cents on another or something like that well i very specifically won't talk about price that is uh, competitive information that i don't want to disclose and i also won't disclose whether the prices vary having said that different markets have different value that they see from this kind of activity and we're into the uh, get grabbing of market share as we should. Yep. It's a new space and we're in the front. So we're gonna grab as much as we can. And I, as far as I can tell, we're probably anywhere from four to 10 times the size of the next biggest guy growing faster than them. Yeah, Steven, just to be clear, I mean, one of the reasons I asked that question is, is for that exact reason, right? To grab market share, sometimes it makes sense to vary pricing because you're delivering different amounts of value. People, customers are willing to pay more or less depending on their, their, their cohort, right? Or their stage in life. Um, so, I mean, it sounds like, again, you're just based off the growth numbers you just articulated, you're using that very effectively. 
Okay. Yeah, um, let's just face geographies also vary. You know, what yeah. you do when you sell to somebody in Vietnam versus selling to somebody in uh, London, very different uh, economic situations. Yeah, but it, it is helpful to understand, though, what, what, what one thing that I think a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with is finding that one key usage metric that you know provides ultimate value that you can tie pricing to. It sounds like you are crystal clear on that. You know your number that you're, you're optimizing for is a number of identity verifications, and you know that as that number increases that has a direct correlation to your revenue increasing absolutely yeah. this is a this is very much a grab the market share and its transactions yep software as a service okay top tribe i have to tell you many people go nathan you came out of nowhere your website's growing so fast how'd you do it the answer is simple so i use hostgator i don't know if you guys know that but i use hostgator and the reason i do they have like about 4500 free templates i can use because i don't code they've got a great e-commerce plugin and guys i bug the heck out of their support they've got 24 7 support which i love so what i've done is i've worked with them you guys know i make great deals if you go to hostgator.com forward slash nathan you can sign up get your own domain for 30 percent off and a 45 day money back guarantee okay again i make great deals for you guys go to hostgator.com forward slash nathan to grab that now very good steven let's wrap up here with the famous five you ready sure these are these are easy i promise number one what's your favorite business book my favorite business book. Interestingly, it's a book from McKinsey when I worked there, and it describes how you go about analyzing a marketplace. What's it I can't think of the name of it. Okay. Well, it's an internal book. There's a term in it they have called NISI, which is mutually exclusive, conceptually exhaustive, which means don't make a structure for analyzing a market that you don't have it thought through carefully. Yeah, because then you use the wrong structure to analyze it, but it's based off the wrong assumptions. Correct. Interesting. Is there a book you can name that people can access publicly? You know, there I there is one that I got off of the iTunes uh, website, but it's called McKinsey of the you know some sort of you just type in McKinsey, you'll find a book and it'll it'll describe this in there. I've got the internal information. It was just very valuable. It great. So they can search McKin they can just search McKinsey book. Yeah. Okay. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying currently? Well, interestingly, uh, the last company I managed is a portfolio company of Liberty Media, and that is uh, John Malone's company uh, run now by Greg Maffei. And one thing I liked about the way they go about things, they take a calculated risk and they go straight down the middle of the fairway in terms of we're going to go by, in this case, what they did recently is buy Formula One. They're not like hiding in the bushes or anything, and they go straight forward and say, this is how we're going to make it worth something more than what we pay. So I like that kind of approach. Having said that, you know, you've got the Steve Jobs, which is let's create a market dislocation and do it very covertly until no one can respond very quickly because we got there first. Yep. So I like both approaches, to be honest. Number three, is there a favorite online tool you have like Acuity Scheduling? Well, I, you know, I, I'm sorry. I'm an old school guy. I'm using Outlook on a Mac. Which Steven, come on. I know, I know. <laughs> I would go into the detail of what I use. It's very good. But, you know, uh, you get used to your tool, and I've got an invested amount of information in it. Yep. Now, what I do use as a tool, which is something I thought I would share, is I spent time researching my competitors, particularly the executives, and what they say and do in the marketplace that's been recorded like this conversation you and I are having. Yep. 
Now, do you have a tool that helps you quickly find that information or that's just a practice you like to do? That's a practice. It's called Google. Yeah, <laughs> I, will tell, I will tell you, I don't know if this is going to be live yet, but I am actively building a tool which scrapes all of the audio data from these podcast interviews I do and makes it in a readable, almost like pitch book form for people like you to go analyze. That's interesting. Well, yeah. that will be helpful to me. Yeah, but we'll it, see. It's at the insight of those two examples of CEOs, right? Or they're going to state what they're doing, but they also might make some hint to the other things that they're thinking of. No, makes now, when, sense. You're in, when you're in a new space, there's not a lot of secrets, right? Yeah. Everybody's plunging forward. Number four, Stephen, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Uh, eight. How's that sound? That's pretty good. And what's your situation? Married, single, you have kiddos? Married, four kids. Wow. Okay. And how old are you? I am 61. 61 years young, Stephen. That take explains it. the outlook thing. <laughs> take, us, <laughs> take us home here. Take us back 41 years. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Um, travel just a little bit less when the kids are young. but Travel uh, less when the kids are young? Travel less than I did Okay. when the kids were young. I yep. did a lot of travel. I do a lot of travel. That's kind of why I'm good at this. But uh, I wouldn't change a lot from when I was 20. Yep. I would do the same things over again. There you guys have it from Steven Stewart. Again, joined Jumio as part of a venture round in 2015. The company was founded in two years prior in 2013. The company has since raised $60 million, helping drive identity verifications across the sharing economy with the biggest public co uh, customer you can articulate being Airbnb. They're serving between 350 and 400, paying customers across 40 different countries. Their team of 1,500 is split between San Francisco and India. They're growing 46% year over year currently. Last year in 2016, they did 26 million identity verifications. In a good year in 2017, Stephen says he expects that might pass 30 million. Stephen, thank you for taking us to the top. Thank you very much. If you enjoyed Stephen today, go back and listen to Paul yesterday, where him and I debate ferociously, should you call people customers if they aren't paying you? I feel like it's a lie, but you give me your opinion. Go tune in and tell me what you think.